Hello, and welcome to the Ellen and Ovaries podcast. I'm your host, Dario DiMartino, and I'm a partner and co-head of our blockchain and fintech practice. This episode is part of a global series where we explore a number of topics which we believe are instrumental in shaping the future of crypto. I'm very pleased to be speaking today with two crypto deal-making trailblazers. Eva Gardner, head of corporate development at Bitstamp, the world's longest-running cryptocurrency exchange, continuously supporting the crypto economy since 2011. Eva is a financial mathematician by profession, believer in tokenization of everything, and a crypto enthusiast and early adopter of crypto. Also joined by Tony Scuderi. Tony is the chairman and CEO of Imperi Partners, a crypto-native investment bank founded in 2019 since then, they've completed the most sold-led transactions in crypto, both by number and volume. Tony also co-founded a crypto fund focused on liquid crypto assets and blockchain ventures. Eva and uh, Tony, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Dara. Thanks for having us. In part one of this episode, we discuss the wave of crypto M&A. Some of the most notable transactions in the space what makes crypto M&A different from other M&A transactions and issues that come up in U.S. focused as well as cross-border deals. In 2021, we saw enormous growth in the number of crypto-related projects, tokens that act like operating systems, several decentralized applications, stablecoins, and non-fungible tokens enabling connections between creators and fans. The existing blockchain ecosystem now features over 1,600 companies, which raised about 24 billion in VC funding in 2021 alone, and about 6 billion through March of this year. Not surprisingly, we're seeing significant M&A transactions, joint ventures, joint development deals, and interest from both strategic buyers and BE houses. So let me ask you guys, and let's start with Tony. What are, in your opinion, some of the most notable crypto deals from 2021 and why? Sure. Um, you know, just picking out a, a couple, I thought that uh, JC Flowers buying uh, LMAX exchange was was actually one of them. Um, and that one, particularly for private equity coming into the crypto space and and executing on a deal where downstream capital formation, like going public, was is still more challenging in crypto. And really smart VC, VCs and private equity um, are in front of this. And uh, and you know, and JC Flowers has a tremendous reputation, uh, and I I see them adding a lot of value there, and ultimately. You know, probably bringing public a, a much bigger company, and the other one I point out was probably Galaxy for BitGo. I, I think that price tag uh, over a billion surprised some people, but custody is critical infrastructure. And and at the time, I, I thought you know, and it, it's proving out today that that was a really good deal. There's a, it's it's basically an oligopoly business now uh, in crypto. There's a scarcity of of really high quality capable custody players and um you know galaxy was was smart enough 
to grab one. So th those are a couple that I would note for trends I think we'll see in the future. Thank you, Tony. Eva, anything you'd like to add? Uh, I definitely agree with Tony on Bitco and Galaxy. I think that is a very important step for the ecosystem going forward. Also, in terms of established prime services out there for institutional clients, think this transaction will, will heavily shape the future. Another transaction worth mentioning is FTX acquiring Ledger X, enabling them to offer derivatives in the US and enabling them shaping derivative space, which is still very early days in crypto. In 2022, we also see more and more activity happening in this area and some very promising projects coming up. Additionally, what I would like to point out is the trend in increasing number of data transactions out there we are observing. First bigger notable transactions happened in 2020 with Binance acquiring CMC and FTX acquiring Blockfolio. Then in 2021, several notable fundraisers. I would mention two of them, uh, one being Nansen with fundraise uh, at 75 million Series B and Chainalysis with fundraise at 100 million Series B+. Uh, from my perspective, this is also a very important area going forward and we'll see increased activity in terms of M&A transactions as knowledgeable traditional investors enter into the space. This will also form some kind of platform of truth, which will enable um, several investors and market participants to see an objective picture of the entire market. Yeah, those are great points. I, I would agree that uh, infrastructure companies um, and also, you know, NFT marketplaces, as, as shown by OpenSea, probably the highest capitalized NFT marketplace that acquired Dharma Labs. Um, there's also been a lot of cross-border crypto M&A. Just to mention a few, Celsius acquired GK8, an Israeli blockchain security company, and, and we could go on and on and on. As you both mentioned, there's been a surge of activity in the crypto M&A space. But what makes crypto M&A different from, from other M&A? There's really a lot. I think, you know, you mentioned one of one of the challenges of crypto is very global. It's a very new industry. There, there are a lot of young founders, uh, but, you know, so we've got we've got cross border issues. We've got we've got really young companies that are growing extremely fast. Uh, so it can be difficult to assess and evaluate both the tech and, and the financials for that matter. There's usually limited CFO suite uh, at these, you know, really fairly new and entrepreneurial companies, sometimes on both sides of the transaction, actually. And then you have various other complexities in crypto. Uh, there could be, you know, there's some volatile assets linked to to the, the value of the company. There could be a token linked to the equity. And I, I think typically, too, you see uh, stock consideration coming in from the buyer. And also, you know, we have these, you know, we have these really significant changes in that in that valuation both perceived and and sometimes in the marketplace in very short periods of time so lots of moving parts and some some really unique attributes here in in crypto that's very true tony uh, these transactions are very 
challenging. You know, there's typical, typically there's multiple cultures, languages, business practices, and processes, not to mention different legal frameworks and social and political landscapes and, and, and local regulatory authorities that you've got to check in with. Uh, and the list goes on and on. Eva, what is your perspective on this point? Yes, kind of agree with both of you. I would definitely say, as compared to other industries, the speed of transactions is enormous. I haven't seen this in any other space. You can literally start uh, with the fundraise on Monday and close by Sunday. Uh, I mean, joke aside a bit, but it really, really goes fast. And that's something that investors that um, are entering this space need to be very well aware of. Also, in terms of structure of the transaction, a lot of moving parts, you don't have that much material that you're used to from other industries, not that tangible information uh, as we're used to also from other industries. And last but very not least, uh, crucial and important uh, extensive knowledge of crypto in order to assess this information. So difficult to see in the future. I call the crypto industry of visionaries. And I think one also needs to be one in order to evaluate specific opportunities. That's so true. Um, and, and are these issues different uh, in cross-border deals as compared to U.S.-based, more sort of U.S.-focused deal-making, or are these issues sort of similar, you know, across jurisdictions? Yeah, so I'll take that one. I, I think the key difference is that around the globe in, in many jurisdictions, the regulatory compliance landscape is, is very much unsettled, and that's particularly true in the U.S., um, but it's, it's true um, really around the world where um, oftentimes companies are operating provisionally, or operating in jurisdictions that they think are friendly. Sometimes that turns out to be true and sometimes it doesn't. Either way, there's, you know, with those shifts, obviously there there can it can really affect the value and, and how, you know, a buyer, for instance, might look at a, a target in terms of its value and, and what they might need to do to integrate later on. So I, I do think it's it's probably the it's really the lack of solid uh, regulation and Guidance or yeah, and regulatory guidance that we have around the world that brings some uncertainty to these deals. Thank you, Tony. I couldn't agree more that you know regulatory is really key in this space. Not to mention that in some jurisdictions there are new virtual asset service provider regimes that are about to be enacted, and and that could change the landscape uh, even further. Eva, anything to add here? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, crypto is really global, as Tony already mentioned, right? The mission is to enable access to everyone on this planet and, and even beyond, right? So, yes, we are talking about global deals. Of course, there are regulatory specifics for each continent and also each specific jurisdiction. So it really depends on the product as such. So very hard to talk about uh, some generic directions or terms, but... Yes, a regulatory specifics and the right support internal and also external regarding this is super important and crucial if you want to do things right. That's right. So some believe that just as 20 years ago, we used to ask, is it an internet company? 
Soon we will ask, is it a crypto company? As most tech and financial services companies will likely have a crypto component. Do you share the view? Should companies that are not in crypto have crypto on their radar? And, and if so, why? So we spend a lot of time talking to enterprise really globally in a lot of Fortune 500 U.S., almost all of them, uh, you know, all the ones that we talk to and, and, you know, virtually every company that we've come across, somewhere in that company, they have folks that are trying to stand up a crypto strategy. And obviously, we have pretty wide range of kind of maturation of that process. But what, what you can see is almost all of them are starting this approach organically or trying to, right? So, you know, we we know that you know, blockchain is is the most searched LinkedIn term by recruiters. You know, so you've got all these enterprises out there trying to buy or rather recruit crypto talent and build from within. And I, almost all of them will fail. It's hard to even identify the right type of talent you need. And most everyone who's who's really good in crypto, they're entrepreneurs, they're building things. And so uh, absolutely enterprise needs a crypto strategy. Um, you can see basically no matter what uh, business we're talking about, you can see some of the efficiencies gained. You know, if you look at, um, you know, a PayPal who's who's been entering the space and and what crypto did for its user engagement and the opportunity that that brings to, to monetize and, and expand the product breadth and uh, and and really, you know, build um, new revenue streams with with their customers. It's really powerful, but it really it almost I hesitate to say anything in absolute, but I would say it almost cannot be accomplished organically by a company coming from outside of crypto and, and trying to enter. I agree, Tony. I think when it comes to crypto, the build versus buy analysis and under which a buyer would evaluate the cost and time required to build the target's technology stack in-house versus the cost and time to buy the target and employ its skilled employees ends up leaning towards buy much more than build. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on, on this very critical point. And that concludes the first half of our conversation with Eva Gartner, head of corporate development at Bitstamp, and Tony Scuderi, chairman and CEO of Imperi Partners. As you've heard, they both have a wealth of experience in the space, and I hope our listeners found this episode helpful. As always, you can find all of our crypto materials at www.alanofrey.com/crypto. Thanks again for listening.